Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. I want to uh, begin this morning and on behalf of my wife and myself, thank everyone that prayed, believed God for my recovery. And uh, the reason I'm standing here is because of your prayers. Because uh, I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for the fact of corporate prayer and God's people contending, laying hold of God. Amen. I really do appreciate that. And so now that I'm here, <laughs> uh, you're going to have to hear me again. Hallelujah. Thank God my voice is still working. <laughs> I'm, about, um, I'm about 85% back. I'm still believing God for the rest of it. And so continue to pray. I'm believing God for full recovery. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Revelation 19. Revelation 19. <clears throat> Tremendous ministry already. I want to read uh, just two verses of Scripture. Verse 15, Revelation 19. The Bible says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. I uh, received most of this inspiration when I was recovering in a rehabilitation center. God began to uh, incredibly wake me up every morning, very early in the morning, and said, get up, i got to tell you something. I want to speak to you. I want to show you some things. And it was incredible what God was speaking to me. It's like, why are you saying these things to me now? It's like, can't you see I'm trying to recover? (laughs) And the things he was sharing with me was like hair-raising things. It's like it was very, very vivid and very real. So I want to minister this morning a sermon I've entitled Portrait of a King. And when I, when I mention the word president, you have an immediate impression that comes to your mind. And uh, we all are familiar with that. That's the way our country is ruled. Uh, however, when I mention the word king, there's a vague impression. Because none of us really know what it's like to live under the rule of a king. Every, uh, even Christians uh, as well are familiar with the word king because uh, we're connected to the Bible, but we have a very limited grasp of the word king because, you know, uh, we are under the rule of a president. A president is light years different than a king. A president can be vetoed. A president can be impeached, whereas a king has absolute sovereignty. And uh, I think uh, this is one of the reasons why There is so much insanity in American Christianity today. Because most of Christianity today serves Jesus like he's a president. 
instead of the king that he is. And this is why many people reserve their own right to pick and choose what they feel they want to believe. If they don't feel like tithing, they'll find a church that preaches on whatever they want to hear. If they're not into being faithful, if they're not into being sanctified, if they're not into adhering to standards, they'll simply do what they want to do. Uh, There's really no king in their Christianity. It's just a religious president that they're serving. Just imagine how ridiculous it would be if Americans today wrote the Bible instead of the original authors and replaced all the scriptures with the word president where the word king appears. That sums up what American Christianity is all about today. It's a circus act. It's insanity. And this is why the country is filled with all kinds of things. And, you know, uh, no longer in most of Christianity today is Christianity setting the standard for the rest of the world to follow. This is why we have pulpits that uh, are filled with women standing behind the pulpits preaching their uncovered gospel. Because what the king says, what his word says about women preaching, means nothing to those uh, who are really serving a religious president instead of a king. Can you say amen? That one woman absolutely makes me sick. It's like every time she opens her yap, it's like, chick, take the pants off, go home and wash your dishes. Look at her, it's just like, just, never mind, I'm not even going to say it. His word doesn't change because of the times and the customs and the agendas of a generation. He is a king. And so I want to consider firstly with you the portrait of a monarch. Because this is a real revelation when God began to uh, give me some insight on this. Jesus used a number of analogies that shock most American religious uh, Christianity today. They don't, they don't know how to deal with these words. And so, you know, we want to we smooth it over. We want to change the words, uh, especially in the world that practices all kinds of tolerance today. But Jesus used to use a number of illustrations uh, and word pictures that are very frightening to modern day society. As a matter of fact, they'd probably be banned on most radio stations. One of, the, one of these examples is in Luke 19, verse 27. Jesus was uh, uh, speaking to his disciples and illustrating to them. And he said, but those my enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. Where does that come in in discipleship today? One translation says, slaughter them in my presence. Another translation says, cut their throats before me. He was using this analogy because, first of all, kings and leaders like Nebuchadnezzar, the Herods and the Caesars of the ancient world, actually did these things all the time. It was a common practice for people that were insubordinate uh, that they would uh, bring an immediate sentence and sometimes it would be a brutal sentence just like that because a king had sovereign control and uh, sovereign reign in his kingdom. So Jesus was using this language uh, because his disciples could relate to what he was saying. And basically, he was illustrating to his disciples that you're not serving a mayor. You're not serving some selectman. You're not serving a congressman or a president. You are serving a king who has sovereign rule. Sovereign rule and reign. We have very little understanding of a monarch today. 
The ones that are left today don't really have the power they once had. They are just used as icons. A monarch is a king or a prince that has sovereign reign and power. The word monarch comes from two words, monos, which means alone, and arkeen, which means to rule. And it, what it implies is one ruler or one sole ruler. Even today you have monarchs like the king of Jordan, the emperor of Japan, the king of Romania. Years ago you had the emperors or the Caesars of Rome. Unlike politics today, uh, when they said something, it was not negotiable. The, the, and they were even believed that many of the monarchs were believed to possess divine uh, divinity to their, to their reign. This is why many times the West is puzzled when things become so volatile in the Middle East over a statement made against someone who uh, they, they revere, even though they're crazy, they revere as a divine ruler. And they're ready to go into a, an all-out battle because something was said that mocked the sovereign ruler that they uh, give allegiance to. There was a day before this country ever existed where the earth was ruled by kings. In fact, the Bible is a book about kings. You have King David, you have King Solomon, you have King Saul. And even in the New Testament, you had King Herod, King Agrippa, and many others. But see, the Western mindset reads right over the word king because it doesn't mean the same as it used to mean in those times and in those days when the world was ruled by monarchs. The revelation of Christianity in the Bible is we have not been uh, only bought by, with a price, but we have been bought by a king. That's pretty weighty. We have been bought by a king. And you must make yourself, by your own choice, come under his rule. The Bible even has two books called Kings. Very few people ever consider this. And a lot of the persecution of the Old Testament against believers uh, was by the rule of a monarch. We have King Nebuchadnezzar. We, we know his persecution against Daniel, against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were many others alike. Uh, and the persecution in the New Testament church as well was also brought to pass by a monarch. The Apostle Paul stood before King Agrippa. King Herod was responsible for the deaths of believers as well as some of the apostles. Matthew 14, verse 10, uh, talks about Herod's action against uh, John the Baptist. And it said he sent and beheaded John the Baptist in the prison. And in Acts 12, verse 1, now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he went further to seize Peter also. Now, why in this modern age is this significant? Why am I even bringing this up? I know I'm a little weird. But... There's every indication that Antichrist, spoken of in the last days, could possibly be a man who many believe, and they believed it for a number of years, to be the manifestation and spiritual successor of one of the ancient monarchs. Some believe he's the successor of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And this identity keeps appearing throughout the generations of man, you can see glimpses of this through the popes of Rome, through the pagan kings, the Nero Caesars of this world, the Hitlers of this world, the Pol Pots, the Idi Amins, the Saddam Insanes. And the Bible says he will be given world dominion for a season and all the world will be made to be governed by his rule. It's not talking about a president. It's talking about a global monarch 
Revelation 13, 16, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell except those having the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, this is foreign to our thinking because, as we know it, the world is not governed by that. But it's going to happen again. The Bible says in the last days. And uh, this has always been a part of the ancient world. How we function in this country today is relatively new compared to the history of the world. And, uh, you know, a part of Saddam Hussein's insanity was that he said that he wanted to rebuild Babylon because he believed that he was the successor of Nebuchadnezzar. Why are things like that happening in this generation? There's a reason. So I want to look secondly at the spirit to rule. Nations are starting to rise up against nations just like Jesus said would happen in the last days. Anybody aware of that? It's on an accelerated level. And this has always existed in the world but it's much different in today's world because it could have catastrophic consequences. Iran's Mahmoud Ahmadinejad believes that he can accelerate, listen to how this insanity is working in society today, he can accelerate the fulfilling of prophecy. In an article about his divine so-called mission, it says it's driving Iran's leader, as Iran rushes towards confrontation with the world over its nuclear program, the question uppermost in the mind of Western leaders is, what is moving Mahmoud Ahmadinejad to such recklessness? But listen carefully to the utterances of Mr. Ahmadinejad telling a cleric, that he had felt, listen to this, he had felt the hand of God entrancing world leaders as he delivered his speech to the UN. The most remarkable aspect of Ahmadinejad's agenda is his devotion to the hidden Amin, uh, I'm sorry, Imam, uh, the Messiah-like figure of Shia Islam, uh, and uh, he, his belief is that the government must prepare the country for his return. All streams of Islam believe in a divine Savior, known as uh, the Madai, who will appear at the end of days. A common rumor denied by the government widely believed is that Ahmadinejad and his cabinet have signed a contract pledging themselves to work for the return of the Madai and send it to Jem Quran. Iran's dominant 12 sect believers uh, that, uh, said that this will be Mohammed Abin Hussein, uh, regarded as the 12th Imam or righteous descendant of the Prophet Muhammad, he is said to have gone into occlusion in the 9th century. At the end of five, his return will be preceded by cosmic chaos, war, and bloodshed. After a cataclysmic confrontation with evil and darkness, Ahmadinejad appears to believe that these events are close at hand and that the ordinary mortals can influence this divine timetable. In a video distributed by an Iranian website in November, Mr. Ahmadinejad describes uh, how one of his Iranian uh, uh, college, uh, uh, colleagues uh, had claimed to have seen a glow of light around him as he began his speech to the UN. I felt it myself too, Ahmadinejad recounts. Uh, I felt that all of a sudden the atmosphere changed there and for 28 minutes uh, all the leaders did not blink. Uh, it is not an exaggeration because I was looking. They were astonished as if they, a hand had held them there and made them sit. It had opened their eyes and ears for the message of the Islamic Republic. What this means, what all this means uh, is we have now entered into one of the final stages of the last day prophecy where the spirit of this global monarch is now beginning to surface. There's always been a spirit of Antichrist working in the world, but now there is a, there's, a, there's a definition to these terms. 
The Bible is starting to take real shape in our generation more than any other generation. Can you say amen? This is what Jesus was warning about uh, when he said uh, in, the, in Matthew 24, he talks about false Christs arising, wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation. And the reason why many leaders are seeking nuclear weapons in this generation is they want to use them to rule the world and enforce their agenda, whether that be a religious, religious agenda, insane, whatever it might be. Everyone now seems to say, you know, there's a potential that I could possibly do it. I can pull it off. Because here are these small nations making lots of noises. Matthew 24, 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. This is not just talking about a token personality. This false messiah, it's talking about a ruling force in the world. Islam is just one of the many, many triggers in the last days that will energize many to begin to rise up and try to dominate the earth. That's what the Bible speaks about. Remember, that was the name of the game for all the ancient monarchs. Get the best military you possibly can, like the Caesars and the Pharaohs did in their time. Get the most modern and powerful weapons you can, and then set up your rule and subdue all people and lands. And so the world is being set up right now for a global monarch to come on the scene and begin to cause all, both small and great, to come under his rule. This is paving the way for this future world leader spoken in the Bible. The very fact that many leaders of the world, whether big or small, are trying to push for nuclear capability bears witness that the spirit to rule exists in the world today. But it's not just a localized thing like it was in times past. This is a global issue that we're dealing with in this generation. Remember, the weapons of today are of devastating nature. We're not talking about, uh, you know, conventional weapons. We're not talking about swords. We're not talking about a civil war. We're talking about uh, devastating weapons. Whenever things start playing out like this in the natural realm, you can always bet because there are things happening in the supernatural realm. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. The destruction of the Twin Towers marked a new era in this world. 
Since then, you have the uprising of many kingdoms and rulers because a spirit was unleashed in that act. Because the world is different today than it's ever been. And it's happened since 9-11. A spirit of violence on a new level, a spirit of terrorism, a spirit to consume other races of people. You know, in a, in a world that's supposed to be so tolerant, here are people talking about the destruction of certain races of people. Because 9-11 released some type of mechanism that's uh, going to bring this uh, to a final, final process. Just like the seals mentioned in the book of Revelation, releasing a spirit of war, a spirit of famine, a spirit of destruction, a spirit of natural disasters, we're not there yet, but the countdown clock was released since 9-11. Because the face of the entire world is now significantly different than it was. And it's affecting every civilization in the world. This, I believe, is an indication that the world is now in the process of paving the way for this ancient monarch to establish his rule, just like God in the flesh was demonstrated in Jesus Christ. It was Jesus, it was God in the flesh. This ancient ruler will be the devil in the flesh. Continuing his agenda, which was from, from the very beginning when he rebelled against God, and that is to take over the world and cause everybody to worship him instead of God. In our world today, there are many candidates who could qualify to be wicked enough to do this. You know, when we first got saved, there's all kinds of stuff going around. I remember there was a season when uh, some of the Christian, crazy Christian publications were actually saying that Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. <laughs> He's like a pussycat compared to these insane people today. There's many that can qualify for this insane man. That's the world that we live in. And the thing is, they're not passive. Their agenda is very volatile. They're willing to do anything to an extreme level to gain control of the world. And so I'm going to look at the spirit of a movement. This is interesting. Because in order for a significant movement to occur in the world, it has to get its energy from a spirit. Unless there's a spirit, there's not going to be a real movement that's going to impact the world. Remember... You know, when you think back, America was a movement. It was. America was a movement. A group of people whose spirit was tired of oppression, who desired to seek religious freedom, hazard their lives, incredible voyage across the ocean, incredible struggles when they got here and landed in their new land, they hazard all kinds of things. A good majority of them perished. And yet, America is here today because America was a movement that was started by spirit. We want a place where we can serve God in freedom and liberty. The movement in the 60s that changed the whole generation of youth got its energies from a, a spirit, which was rebellion. And it affected the entire world. Like Nimrod, who started a movement back in Genesis in the earth to seize the world with an apostate religion. His name means, let us rebel. And that was the spirit that energized people to rebel and build the Tower of Babel. Today, since 9-11, there's a spirit that has been released to rule, and it has been released in the earth so that now, some of these scriptures that we have known for years is taking a very specific form. Matthew 24, 7, For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places, tsunamis, all kinds of things. 
You know, isn't it interesting how they swept such a worldwide event right under the carpet like a tsunami? That was the most devastating event that's happened in the world since the flood. There hasn't been anything with that devastation. You know, I was, when I was in the rehabilitation, uh, recovering from my stroke, I, uh, I was in prayer one morning and God began to remind me. He said, you know, my son-in-law sent me uh, a, a site that was satellite images of the tsunami. And they were timed Im intervals so that you can see the wave come and, uh, you know, over Sri Lanka, different places that the, the wave hit. And they show you time shots. You see this massive wall of water coming. And after it was gone, nothing but devastation left behind. And God brought it to my attention. And he said, what you're seeing is a, is a microcosm of the Genesis flood. Because at one time, that happened entire, throughout the entire world. An event with such devastation like a killing thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And you don't hear a whole lot about that. See, there are things happening. There are disturbances happening right now that tells us some type of trigger has been released. Uh, there's a spirit that rule. There's a spirit uh, that is involved in the events that are happening in the world. It's like there's a mechanism that's, uh, that, that's, 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 that's in process right now of bringing to pass all the things uh, the Bible declares in the last days. But see, in all of this, there's good news. And that's where I'm coming to today. Just like the spirit of the so-called imam that is energizing Ahmadinejad and the Muslim world to rise up, the real king's coming. And this is what interests me. The real king is coming. And I believe the reality of his return is going to produce a spirit that is going to cause a movement in the Christian world that the world has never seen before. Because this impact, this, this revival that you read about in the last days is going to be released because of a spirit that is going to happen. And that spirit is going to be totally linked to the fact that God is going to arise and be involved in what's going to happen in the world in coming days. Active like never before. This God that was the God of the Old Testament, this God, the God of the New Testament, uh, I want to tell you something, there's going to come some acts upon the earth. There's going to come some powerful, powerful things that are going to happen in our generation in, 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 in days to come that is going to shake the world, it's going to shake the fabric of society, and it's going to bring the Spirit back to the church again to rise up and begin to do something for God like never before. The Bible talks about a last day's harvest that's going to cover the entire world. It will uh, be energized by acts of God's outpouring His Spirit in the last days. He says, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. It talks about signs in the heavens, wonders. Uh, uh, it talks about all kinds of cataclysmic events, blood, uh, fire, pill of smoke, uh, all these things. Uh, this is God being involved in the affairs of, of this world uh, and bringing a great, great uh, encouragement and spirit to His church. See, it doesn't matter how dark and dismal thing, things seem to be in the world. Uh, God always has a strategy. He always has an answer for the situation of the world. And the Bible says very clearly 
that he is the king of all kings, the Bible gives us assurance that in the last days, he is not only going to come again, but he will be very, very active in the last generation. In fact, all things are working toward his purpose. He has never lost control of the earth. You read the news every day and you'll commit suicide. But see, God has never lost control of the earth. The Bible says in Revelation 7, 14, They shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. 1 Timothy six fifteen, which He will manifest in His own time, He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. See, the king the Bible talks about is not a mortal human being who rules in a local jurisdiction. He is the king of the universe, and he owns every soul. He owns the breath of every person in this place and in the world today. Revelation 19, 16, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He has never lost control. The world will appear in coming days to attain its agenda and that is basically to get rid of Christianity once and for all the Jews and the Christians have got to go that's what the new world wants and uh, it's going to appear that they're going to attain their agenda and just to show the world in the height of their new kingdom that they're going to construct which is like Nimrod's God is just going to just just for the sake of, I'm just going to show them that I'm still in control Revelation 11, 3, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut up heaven, that it rain not on the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves because of public demonstration. They want to show everybody that they've overcome God. And then, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another because of these two prophets that tormented them that dwell on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. God's never lost control. This whole thing that is happening in the world right now is playing into God's will. He's in control of it. He's orchestrated. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to take him by surprise. He's never lost control. How many times have people been unprepared for an event that they were specifically trained for? They rehearse it again and again and again and again and again. Yet when the time comes, they freak out. They don't know what to do. When the real emergency happens... They freeze. You better be prepared to see the king. Because the real king is coming. You know, it's like, how much longer is it going to be? We have believed this thing. We have seen the world 
come to a very strange place today, and I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be long. You in your own person, individually, is going to have to deal with the king in person. The king of all kings. You know, there's a lot of Christians that live very carelessly. And the reality of this king, this is not standing before Herod or Pharaoh or anybody. They're talking about the king of all kings. And there's going to be a lot of people, especially in the church world, you're not even going to get past this furniture. Listen to what I'm talking about. That king is looking at this tent right now. The king who inhabits all eternity. The one that said, Moses, you can't see me. I've got to cover your eyes. You, you can only see my back, otherwise you'll die. Can you imagine seeing this king in your person? You know, I was in Tucson uh, serving God, and it was a brother in the Tucson church. He said, look, i got to take you to see my boss. He is the biggest guy I've ever seen in my life. He's a giant. He says, you got to see him. And so I went there. He took me, and so he wasn't in his office at the time, but I go, he takes me into his office, and it's like he's got this, he's got this keg of tobacco on his desk that looked like a swimming pool. He's got a pipe next to it that looked like a, a, a saxophone. I mean, huge things. I mean, his chair, his, the back of his chair was like seven or eight feet tall. And I'm looking at this stuff and it's blowing my mind. I said, what kind of guy inhabits these things, you know? And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I turned to go out the door and I bumped right into him. He was covering the entire door. This enormous, I mean, he was big, wide, and tall. He covered the entire doorway up, and all of a sudden, he bends down like this to come inside the room. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Boss Man. <laughs> You're not even going to get past this king's furniture. Can you imagine just seeing the back of his throne? Can you imagine your mind just going crazy like, what does he look like? Who's going to be the one that's going to be sitting in that throne? What does this mean? This means you're about to have an encounter with the living God. This is the king, the real king that's coming back. This is the king who is not going to delay anymore. Pharaoh's throne is in a museum someplace, no longer active. All the earthly rulers since the beginning of time one day will know what it's like to stand before the king of kings. And everyone here will see them in their own person. When I was recovering, God woke me up one morning and said, I want you to tell this to my people. This is no lie, man. I was hoping to preach this last conference, but I couldn't make it. Traveling is still pretty difficult for me. But it's still in play right now. Because God's about to deal with the Iranians and all the stuff that's happening. Things are going to happen real fast, pretty soon. But God said, I want you to tell my people, demons beware. Demons beware. I'm sick of you infiltrating my church. I'm sick of you bringing compromise into my church. 
I'm sick of all the strategies and all the pretenses that are happening in my church. I'm going to arise. And God said, you tell my people this generation will not conclude until I make a statement. This is what's going to provide the energy, church. Because I believe right now the church is asleep. It's asleep like it's never been asleep before. We're working right now in the midnight hours, man. The, you know, the religious world is playing church. It's worse than a circus. You think it, it stopped after the, the laughing thing? No, it's continued. It's warped into this weird freak of nature today. It's still happening. It's still just as weird as it's always been. It's even worse today. The wickedness that's involved in the church is, is, is unthinkable. God said, I'm going to judge it. I'm going to do something. I'm going to move in the earth. And God began to say, I want you to tell my people who have believed me for all these years. There are people in this place this, this morning. Since the day of your salvation, you're going to believe, you believe for a great outpouring of God's spirit. Matter of fact, when we first got saved, revival was so powerful. So many people were getting saved. We thought this was the last day's outpouring. We thought this is it. But that's not true. It hasn't happened yet. And God said, my people are going to get their second wind because I'm going to rise and I'm going to put the spirit back in my church again. And there's not a, uh, there's not a soul, there's not a power on earth that's going to stop what I'm about to do. When I will do this, I will sanctify my name among the heathen. I will do a glorious work that's going to bring the energy and the spirit to the church that's going to see the last day harvest. Everyone is going to be crying in the streets. Everyone's going to be going like, this is it. The king is ready to come. See, the return of the king is going to bring spirit back to the church again. Now, this is important because when we first got saved, if you remember, one of the, uh, the themes of that revival and the Jesus people movement and, you know, when our fellowship began was uh, the second coming of Christ. All the second coming movies were made back then. There's nothing that's made now without, you know, pizza revelations maybe. But that was, you know, that was it. Like, Jesus is going to come any moment. And it brought such spirit to the church. It brought such a spirit of evangelism, such a spirit to work the works of Christ while we can work it right now. And you see, that has been a long time asleep. It's been lulled to sleep by all the toys and gimmicks and strategies of hell in this world. All the media has lulled it to sleep and discredited everything that is of God. And the world's agenda is to get rid of Jews and Christians. And yet in the middle of it, God says, you know what? I'm still in control. And I'm going to return the spirit to my church. See, there's only one, only one in all the universe that bears this title. There's only one. This is the God of this fellowship. He ain't a Muslim. He's a Jew boy. He's coming again. And according to all the, even the prophecies of these cycles, like Akhmenejad, saying that he believes it's very close. How come the church don't? Where's the spirit of the church? Where's the spirit that people once had? 
when there was an absolute reality. You know what? Any minute. I remember when I used to go to work in the kitchen, I used to open the, the book. I said, well, you know, hey, man, it'd be a bad testimony if I disappear. They'll think I'm trying to flake out or something. I'm not coming to work. I'm not doing my job. So I'll open my scripture to 2 Thessalonians that will explain to them what will happen if I'm not here anymore. Because <laughs> I want a full week's paycheck this week. <laughs> consumed with the thought the king is coming. I want to tell you something. He's coming. He really is coming. And it's, it's, you know, God has waited a long time. He's watched. Since the rebellion in the 90s, you remember back then, I began to illustrate what I felt God doing to me. It's like God said, I've taken the chain off of everybody, the leash. Let's see what's going to happen. Let's see what people are going to do. Let's see what they're going to become now. I've talked to them. I've, uh, I've encouraged them. They've been raised in truth. They have a foundation of faith. Now I'm taking the leash off and uh, let everyone do. Go and, and become what he wants to be. And most of the church has morphed into this incredible thing. And now God says, I'm going to arise and I'm going to be active in society. I'm going to bring spirit back to my church. See, that's exactly what some pastors and workers need right now. You need spirit. You need a revelation that the living God is coming back again. We're not talking about a president. There are people in here, you're serving Jesus like a president. You can pick and choose what you want to believe, what you don't want to believe. You don't like a standard, you won't do it. You don't like this, you'll just throw it out. That's what the religious world is doing. But see, the king is coming. And he illustrates this before his disciples. Bring those before me who would not let me rule over them. This is not a president, man. This is a king. This is a monarch, the real one. And so the question is, can God rule over you on this side of eternity? Can he get his way in your life during this conference? Are you going to finally bow, give him what he wants? Are you going to go back to your church with a new spirit and energy? Because there's one thing this madman is right about, and that is mortal beings can make a difference in what happens in the affairs of the world. That's why he's doing his insane things, because he thinks it's going to create an atmosphere for whoever he's waiting for to come again. He's waiting for the devil to come back. We're waiting for the living God, the king of kings, the king of all the world, of all eternity. People need to be encouraged. You have been waiting for that outpouring all these years faithfully. God sees the tears. God sees people weeping, saying, God, help us. God, please do it again. I want to see God do it again. I want to see God do it like he's never done it before. I believe we're going out with a bang, church. You can crawl your way through the gates if you want. But I think we're going out with a bang. We're going out like a king's in control of our lives. And he is going to be sanctified before this generation comes to an end. This world is going to know that God that you've tried to put out of schools, out of government, out of society, he's doing real fine. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. 
Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.